This is Shifting Our Schools episode 114, From Coach to Consultant. You know, when you work in your own district with people you see day in and day out, um, I worked my butt off to make sure that when I was providing PD for them, that it was worth the time they were investing because there's nothing more precious to a teacher than his or her time. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Well, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for tuning in this week. The NCCE conference is here in Seattle starting today, and I'm looking forward to doing my six sessions over the next three days. If you are going to NCCE this year, please do stop by and say hi to both Chris Butler and I. We do have some SOS stickers for you if you would like one. Just let us know you're a listener to the podcast and we'll give you a free Shifting Our Schools sticker. We're also going to be doing some live recordings and would love to hear what you are learning at the conference as well. So track us down and we'll uh, fire up the microphone and just hear kind of your thoughts on the conference and things that you're learning this year as well. If you are not going to NCCE, be sure to follow the conference hashtag, which is hashtag NCCE2020. That is where you'll find all of the great stuff and resources that are being shared from this year's conference of a roughly 1,800 educators here in Seattle. Uh, and you'll be able to follow everything that's going on there. Also be looking for episodes in the future here at Shifting Our Schools as we have some of the conversations with those people that are at the conference, as well as I'm planning, if all my technology works correctly, to actually record a couple of my own presentations and release them here as well. So hopefully we'll have those for the future for you as well. Just a reminder, you can reach out to us here at Shifting Our Schools by using the email address sospodcast at gmail.com or hit up Chris or I on Twitter. Chris is at Tech Teach Travel and I'm JUTech on Twitter. You can get us both there. We're both uh, always on Twitter as well. It's a great way to reach out to us. And again, you can always use our hashtag on Twitter as well and let us know where you're listening from and that hashtag SOS podcast. We would love to have you on a future episode here of Shifting Our Schools and just have a conversation about your classroom and approach to learning. This week, Chris Butler and I chat with Judy McDowell, a teacher turned coach turned consultant with iReady, a conversation that covers a range of topics. And with that, on with the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. So good to be here with my co-host Chris Butler and our guest this evening, for all the way from Michigan. It seems like we either do Washington or Michigan. We've got at least two of the 50 states uh, uh, right. covered as well. But uh, well, as always, Chris, let's get started with a day in the life of Mr. Chris Butler, the tech coach. Right. How was, right. uh, how's, how's this last week been for you? Last week has been, has been good. Um, so this was the fourth round of our tech PD days at the high school. We do, a, right. we do three days per round. This is our final round. Um, so I have been in the high school for the last three days. This is the third day of the week um, that I've been there. And it was kind of an interesting thing that happened the first day. We had a couple teachers reach out to us from totally separate departments, hadn't even talked to each other about this, but they're like, Hey, we really want to, um, I want one had, 
she wanted to have her students build websites. One wanted to build a website for herself, for her class. Um, and then we had a couple other later on in the week reach out and say, hey, we really want to do some website stuff. We're like, what's going on here? This is crazy. Because <laughs> no one that no one had actually talked to each other. Talk about to it. Each other. it was just, yeah, it was just kind of a thing. So we um, did some work with, uh, we did, we kind of settled on um, Google sites. It just okay. seemed to be the easiest one for them um, to kind of, no one was a true what I would call a web designer, which I am not sure. either. And I always sure. settle on, you know, it offers some really cool things. It's kind of limited if you're actually into that web design world, but I'm not. So yeah. I love it because I can just yeah. I can do it right. Drag and drop, change drag the drop, color right? in the background. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so taught a whole bunch of people up on that, and um, spent some time in classes doing that with with a couple of the teachers and their kids. So, and are these um, kids make are they making them on the iPads? Because I know you're an iPad. They school. are making them on the iPads, and I was curious how that would work. Because I yeah, me too. You know, my last my last school was Chromebooks, and this is the first time with iPads, and it was it was pretty much the same functionality as far oh, as that's good. sites. So that's yeah, good. Nice. I, I always wonder about, yeah. especially something like Google sites, that's a lot of right. drag and drop and just the building structure of it, how yeah. it would work on an iPad. So that's good to know. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. So. Very cool. Awesome. Well, Julie, yeah. welcome to shifting our schools. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to meet and chat <laughs> with everyone here tonight. Uh, as usual, we'll get started with kind of hearing your story in and I just found out out of education. So go yeah. ahead and uh, welcome and uh, yeah, tell us you. a little bit about you yeah, so um, I'm in the Michigan area, um, about an hour southwest of Detroit. Um, so my background was um, I was a history major whose parents um, forced her to become a math minor as well, so I would be employable. <laughs> and to this day, my mother is still saying, you have a job because of your math minor. Yep. Yes, mom. <laughs> um, so taught math for seventh grade math for seven years landed my dream eighth grade history job, did all kinds of cool stuff with that. So that's um, the American Revolution, the Constitution, Civil War, you know, did the whole taking kids to Gettysburg, DC, all that fun cool. stuff. Absolutely loved it. Um, and then got tapped by the district to be our first full-time instructional coach. And awesome. so, yep. And at that time, I I'd actually never even heard of instructional coaching. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm what? Like, w like when I walk in the building, what do I do? Where, where do yeah, I go? Right. Yeah. Where do I go? <laughs> like I, yeah. so I was, um, there was, uh, I was a coach, a full-time coach. And then there was also a part-time in the district. And we sort of muddled our way through that first year. Um, at times, walking down the hallway trying to drum up business. Hey, you wanna you wanna try some cool um, new teaching strategies? Um, I was known as the tech person for my building, um, simply because I know how to Google things. Um, <laughs> you know, people are like, how do you learn so much? Um, I just Google everything. Right. Yeah. So I'm not afraid to just to ask Google. So um, a lot of my job was similar to what your job is, Chris. Where you know, someone would say, hey, I want to try something new with my kids, um, but I'm afraid to, you know, and, and at that time, our internet was hit and miss in the building. Um, you know, there were times where everything would, you know, the whole network would go down or, you know, the, the laptops wouldn't log in, all kinds of good stuff was going on. And so the last thing uh, teachers wanted was to be, you know, standing in front of their class looking foolish. And so 
um, I was glad to stand in front of their class and look foolish for them. So um, absolutely loved doing that. Um, you were talking about some of the websites you were building with Google Sites. We would do that. My um, favorite Google tool, it's, it's actually um, it was one of their beta tools. It was called Tour Builder with Google. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you've that. Um, that was amazing for storytelling purposes. So um, when we would teach about the, um, the, the Middle Passage and the transatlantic slave trade, um, we had students um, adopt the identity of an enslaved um, person. So they would have to do research about what was life like for these people um, because, you know, when you, when you try to wrap your mind around the numbers of, um, you know, the slave trade, it, you, you become distanced from the humanity of it. And mm -hmm. so we used Google Tour Builder where they, they started off, um, they had to find a location in Africa where slaves were being um, kidnapped. They had to show where they were marched to along the coast and we were dropping pins and it was journaling and storytelling and combined with Google Maps and so, and then they would end up in the Caribbean and then possibly um, taken to the 13 colonies. So um, that was a really fun thing to do. So you just kind of got me excited talking about Google. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love, uh, yeah, Tour Builder is such a, Tour Builder is such a great program. And they now, they've, they've kind of moved it into Google Earth. I don't know if you've seen this. They call it Google Earth Projects now, which is okay. like Tour Builder, only built into Google Earth, which awesome. it just takes, it takes yeah. Tour Builder, right? And it yeah. puts it in this three-dimensional 4K resolution world for kids mm -hmm. that just, you know, yeah. it's just, and it's so fascinating though, like, because, tour builder at the, you know, at the time was like the best thing there was. And before that it was MapQuest, you know, like you right. kind of yeah. <laughs> uh, and now you have, you know, you have Google earth, you know, or you can be street viewing in these places. And it's just right. incredible. Yeah. So, yeah. I just yeah. love, love hearing that. That's fantastic. We'll yeah, talk so a little bit about where you are now. Yeah. So, um, ended up after, you know, I knew I had enough years to retire. I was, I was antsy. I wanted to try something else. And I, I remember, you know, all these exotic presenters who would fly in from the West Coast. And I'm like, <laughs> what, what do you mean? You like, you just go to schools and you train people and then you fly back home. Um, and so I, I began um, Googling, okay, what are some of the best educational companies out there? Um, because I've, um, I've worked with products that um, those companies were hiring and I, I didn't feel that I could stand behind those products. I, mm. I didn't feel that I could, um, get up in front of a group of teachers and say, this is going to be phenomenal. This is really going to help your kids learn because I've used those products and, um, I know how I felt as a teacher. So I, I just did my, my research and iReady and Curriculum Associates just kept rising to the top over and over. Um, so for the first time in 20 some years, I put a resume together, which was terrifying. So for those of us who have been in a district for a long time, um, you know, teaching is one of the few professions where you stay put for a while. Yeah. And um, so put my resume together and held my breath and sent it out into the ether. And um, actually, I actually got a few offers from different companies, but this was the one that, that I believed in the most. And so now what I do is I go and I um, work with teachers. I 
um, support them as they are implementing the iReady diagnostic and online learning path, as well as um, our K-8 math curriculum. So I'm also, um, I have a math focus. Mm. Like I said, my mother is always happy to point out. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So how much are you traveling now? Um, so I'm, I'm incredibly lucky. Um, by, by just by virtue of where I live, yeah. a lot of our new accounts are in um, Detroit Public Schools okay. and in nearby districts near Detroit. And so I'm actually not away from home as much as my colleagues. Um, some of my colleagues are there um, on the road two, three days a week. And so I'm able to drive to most of my shifts. So, um, I mean, everything's an hour, hour and a half. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, <laughs> a, lot of, uh, a lot of audiobooks, yeah. uh, anything to, you know, kind of make that drive go a little bit better. Um, but I also get the opportunity to, you know, when we have really big accounts like Philadelphia Public Schools. So they flew a ton of us into Philadelphia Public Schools. Um, it was on a Friday. So... We just made a weekend of it. It was cool. amazing. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Philadelphia, Wisconsin. I'll go into um, near Saratoga, New York, in a couple of weeks. So it's it's kind of hit and miss. But yeah. I'm I'm very lucky. I I mostly just get to work in Detroit public schools in those areas, and I cannot say enough good things about the teachers in Detroit public schools. Like cool. you want to talk about. Um, an inspiring, hardworking, um, just dedicated group of professionals. You know, they, their kids are facing some really serious challenges and those people go in every day and do their best for those kids. So I just feel really blessed to be able to go um, into Detroit public schools. So. No, very cool. And I love how you said you wanted to become a consultant because you wanted to do the traveling stuff that yeah. these consultants come in and do. And then you become a consultant yeah. and now, now you're saying you're like, I'm so lucky. I just get to be home every night. <laughs> Isn't it funny? I mean, I'm, I was the same way. Fun you know? oh, fun. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Travel's fun until you're doing it all the time. <laughs> right. You know, the, yeah. the year I, the year I put in, I, I, I put in over 250,000 miles, which is literally to the moon and halfway back to earth. Right. Yes. Like I, I had to figure it out like, in one, in one year. And I was like, no, that's it. I like, it was fun, but I don't know. Right. So now when people are like, you get to travel everywhere, I'm like, yes, I get to go an hour up the road and I get to come home and I love <laughs> yeah. it. Right? Like that's, yeah. But it's funny because you think, you think it's this lifestyle, you know, and, and it is, it's, it's an amazing lifestyle, but it, it does wear on you traveling, you know, the travel can wear yeah. on you for sure. It yeah. does. But I would say, you know, as somebody who, you know, grew up in a small town in Michigan, um, raised my family in that same small town, like serious roots planted in this tiny little community to come see Michigan um, to, you know, I didn't have a lot of opportunities to, um, push myself to go wow. out and try new things like, okay, let's land at an airport and grab a rental car and drive two hours, um, you know, to some remote location and try to navigate all that. Um, none of that intimidates me anymore. Yeah. So yeah, that's, cool. you know, there's been a lot of personal growth being a consultant mm -hmm. as well. I have to walk into situations where I don't know what the setup will be. I don't know what the mood of the teachers will be, the mood of yeah. the admin will be, yeah. um, you know, and there's days where 
you walk in and, and you are smack in the middle of district expectations and teacher frustrations. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, a lot of, um, I would say, emotional intelligence skills being put to the test on those days. So can you so, maybe, uh, can you maybe talk about, sorry, yeah. Chris, I just got one more question. We might have to say, in. yeah. Yeah. So what um, I, I hear from a lot of, teachers slash coaches who go this route or want to go this route of consulting. And I think the idea of going from teacher to some kind of coaching role, whether it's a tech coach role, instructional coach role, math coach role, whatever it is into consulting is a really nice, I think it's a really nice step. Do you feel that way too? Do you feel like being in that coaching role at a district really helps support you in, in being a good consultant? Because that, because teaching, teaching and working with kids is one skill set. being a coach and starting to understand what it takes to work with adults before you become a, a consultant, I feel like is a good step. Would you agree? And, and how did you see your experience being an instructional coach lead into the consulting side of things? I, I feel like the two went hand in hand. Mm -hmm. um, so as an instructional coach, when I was doing PD for my peers, I mean, I remember, I mean, just being just miserable during PD at times. Um, you know, our, our favorite joke is if I die, I hope it's during PD because the transition from life to death is so subtle. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So that's, my husband says that to me quite often. Have a great day, Jewel. Okay. <laughs> like, awesome. Um, yeah. So I would say, and especially with, you know, when you work in your own district with people you see day in and day out, um, I worked my butt off to make sure that when I was providing PD for them, that it was worth the time they were investing because there's nothing more precious to a teacher than his or her time because we, we just don't have enough of it. And the thought of my colleagues coming to one of my trainings and feeling like I didn't honor their time, um, I couldn't live with that. So that was something I worked really hard to develop those skills of this has to be relevant for them. They have to make um, or walk away from this feeling like it was worth being out of their classroom. Um, so that, you know, I think that was a skill set that I developed and honed um, as an instructional coach that I'm able to um, take into these um, trainings as well. But mm -hmm. honestly, as a consultant, I mean, that's, that's sort of like doing, you know, the, the instructional coach piece prepared me for the training being a teacher gives me credibility. Right. Um, there's nothing less than, um, or nothing less that teachers want to deal with more than a consultant who walks in, who's never been in the classroom yeah. because until you have been a classroom teacher, until you have experienced, um, the demands and the pressures and the, are you kidding me? I'm supposed to do what? Um, you just, you can't, um, you can't relate to people who haven't, who haven't gone through that. So I, yeah. I think that that's another um, relatable skill that I have is I know what it's like. I yeah. know I've been in your shoes and I, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure when you walk away, you felt like I gave you something that lightened your load um, or at least gave you another tool to help your kids. So mm, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Chris, you had a question? Yeah. And it was actually, that's a good segue because I had a similar question with kind of a follow-up. Um, so having been the teacher, then moved into the um, instructional coach role, and now as the consultant, um, 
each one of those when you're even as a teacher leader, you might be delivering PD. Then as a coach, it's happening more and more and more. And then as a consultant, that's the gig. Um, so what does that look like for you now um, as a consultant working with the, with the teachers? Um, do you, and I'm going to ask this because I know just thinking of my own role and we have a lot of coaches that listen to the podcast. Do you miss the school aspect being in a school in a district? Do you miss that part of it? Um, and I'm kind of asking you a couple questions at once here, um, but what does it look like? What does it feel like day to day? And do you miss that kind of that aspect of it? Yeah. So um, being a remote consultant can be isolating. It really mm -hmm. can be. Um, so I, I have a few schools that um, I've worked with a few times and, you know, I feel like I have friends now at those schools, but it's, it's never the same as, you know, colleagues that you've been working with for years and years. Um, so I would say I miss the day-to-day -day familiarity that I had in my school. Um, but um, I, I also have a cohort of, of colleagues in my new position um, we probably text each other 25 to 30 times a day. There's five or six of us, um, and we're in Michigan, Wisconsin, New York, New Jersey. We are, you know, all over the place, at least the Midwest, the Northeast. And I don't know where I would be without these people because um, I do feel like I have that connection. It's not necessarily a face-to-face, -face, but um, they are definitely a very, very important part of the work that I do now. And so, you know, I would, my recommendation is if you do become a consultant, um, connect with people in your company and, and hang on to them for dear life because they will be your lifeline. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, let's talk a little bit about just, um, so you're a consultant, you're a consultant and you work with the program iReady. Uh, yeah. And I think most teachers nowadays are probably pretty familiar with, with iReady. It's a pretty popular program around here. Where do you see I, where programs like iReady? Like iReady is one of, of a couple of them out there that I hear about all the time. In, in your mind, where does it fall in the instructional toolkit of a teacher working with students? Um, um. Wow, that's a good question. So um, basically, the, the biggest benefit to iReady is that um, it provides one more uh, differentiation resource for teachers without putting a lot of work on their plate. So when students um, take that diagnostic, it then generates a personalized, differentiated, and most importantly, automated learning path. So it's not like the teachers have to look at um, how students did in, on the diagnostic and then come up with an online learning path. It does that for them. Um, there's over 600 reading lessons, online learning lessons. There are 400 and some math lessons. And so um, essentially what teachers need to do is they need to you know, set up really strong testing conditions to make sure they're getting valid data. Um, otherwise, it's you know garbage in, garbage out. Um, if they if they get that good data, um, and that's that's actually a session I'm doing tomorrow. I'm working with a school that's just adopting iReady um, now in the middle of the year, and I have to you know emphasize the importance of getting that good data. So once they get that good data, their students um, the next step is their kids log in and they have a learning path. They have math lessons and reading lessons depending on what the district has purchased. Um, and the teacher's job is to monitor 
um, and to respond if students are struggling with their online learning path. So um, that's probably the biggest education piece I have with teachers is, you know, if, if students are struggling in their online learning path because online learning is not, it's never a replacement for a teacher ever, ever, ever. It is never superior to a teacher. Um, so it's not like you can just let those kids go and, and not um, check in on them. But sometimes kids do struggle and really emphasizing the importance of don't turn their lessons back on, don't turn those domains back on until you've had some sort of one-on-one -on -one intervention with the child. So, um, you know, I talk about, okay, here's some small group instruction strategies, here's some resources you can use. Um, for those interventions. And there's cat number two. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I would say, you know, in, in, as far as teachers go, it, it does lighten their load in terms of it's creating differentiation opportunities for, for students, um, but it's not a set and forget. They absolutely have to monitor and they have to respond when their kids are not being successful. So then, so I love that approach that it's not a replacement for teachers. So what's your thought? And I'll, I will not use school district names here, but I know school <laughs> districts where teachers are required to have kids do 30 minutes every single day of iReady. And if they don't hit that, they get a nasty note from the principal or the superintendent saying you didn't hit your numbers this, this week. Thoughts on like you, like to me, to me in my world, in my, just the way I, I, I don't like that. I feel like that's <laughs> trying to replace a teacher. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So we have some recommendations. So the data, I mean, of the millions of kids who do iReady, the data supports that 45 minutes per week per subject area maximizes their learning. So we do set those, you know, this is the sweet spot for, for learning 45 minutes a week per subject um, you know and and we will today I ran into teachers who were doing it 100 minutes and they're like um our kids are kind of getting burned out and I'm like well yeah wouldn't yeah. You? <laughs> you can't sit kids in front of a computer for that long um, the other danger with that by only focusing on how many minutes they're in I ready is kids are savvy um, they say, all right, I have to get this many minutes in, um, and it becomes just a compliance thing. It's no longer about the learning. And so the, the problem we run into with, with certain kids is they will open up iReady, and then, believe it or not, they'll open another tab, um, <laughs> and they'll be watching a Fortnite video, or yeah. they'll be yeah. you know, listening to music, and then every now and then they just flip back over to iReady, wiggle the mouse, click on a few things, fail the lesson, but by God, they're getting their minutes, so all is good. Um, yeah, so um, I would much rather people, okay, yes, you do wanna make sure that students have that exposure to iReady, but let's look at how they're progressing through their learning path. Let's look at how many lessons they're passing. Let's look at their growth data and see, is this truly having an impact on, on those kids, so. Mm. Very cool. And is the is your is the recommendation from iReady kind of like one 45 minute session or like 10 minutes every day for the week? Um, so it can, it can be broken up. Um, 
we actually recommend you want to have kids in there for at least 15 to 20 minutes at a time because some of the lessons are 20, 30 minutes long. Um, for the younger kids, they might only be 10, 12 minutes. Um, but some of the longer lessons, even though they have checkpoints, like it, it's kind of like a video game where they get to a certain point in the lesson and as long as they log out, um, it generally saves their progress. They might have to go back a little bit but they have to be in there long enough to make it to that checkpoint or else it bumps them back to the beginning and then the kids get frustrated. So, yeah, so I would say minimum 15, 20 minutes, you know, and that's also accounting for login time. That's accounting for all those other things. Um, what I love to see with iReady is, you know, if, if you're doing it with your whole class, the teacher is not only working the room, but also pulling students for small group interventions as well. So, you know, there might be, it might be iReady time, but students are actually working one-on-one, -on -one, maybe paper and pencil with a teacher to do some interventions during that time as well. Wow. So even like setting up stations or some kind of small group work where you might have half your class or a quarter of your class is doing iReady, a quarter of your class is working with manipulatives and a quarter of your class is, you know, one-on-one -on -one with the teacher or something like that. Absolutely, that's where you're really gonna see a lot of growth. A lot of movement yeah. with kids. Those putting kids in front of computers is never the answer. So, and I think that's really important to talk about and to to point out. That's something that on the podcast we talk about a lot is the fact that technology is just a tool. It's one of many tools in our tool belt as teachers. And I always talk about teachers being artists and creators and um, setting up um, their situations for kids to be successful. Um, so I think that's a really important aspect that you're bringing up that this isn't the answer. It's one of many tools, right? Um, I've heard you mention a couple times learning pathways. Um, and in our, when I contacted you um, a while back to set up this, um, the podcast, you also mentioned learning goals. And this is something that we talk about a lot in, in our podcast about um, structure and setting up learning goals and pathways and choice leading to choice for students to be successful. Can you, talk about that a little bit um, and maybe just in general, maybe of course I ready a little bit, but just your idea on that in general, how important that is in education for students. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll address the, I cat keeps jumping on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's the tail. Okay. Um, so just in terms of I ready. So um, as far as like growth goals and, and learning goals, um, so every student gets two growth goals at the start of the school year. They get what's called a typical growth goal and a stretch growth goal. So typical growth is more normative based. So 50% um, of kids who um, work with iReady make their typical growth goal. So it looks at, okay, if you are a fourth grader and you test at a third grade level, um, typically we see you grow 27 points, let's say, in your iReady on this vertical scale score. It goes from 100 to 800. Um, stretch growth is different. Stretch growth is a separate goal. Only about 25% of kids nationwide make their stretch growth goal. And that is designed to get kids on a path to proficiency because kids can grow crazy amounts. But if you have a seventh grader who initially tests at second grade level, they can grow tremendous um, you know, points in iReady and they're still not proficient. They're still not on grade level. 
And so our stretch growth goal might be a one, two, three year path to proficiency. Because um, we recognize it's not reasonable for kids, you know, who really have some significant learning gaps to get them to grade level in a year's time. It's not fair to the kids, it's not fair to the teachers. Okay, I have to kick my cat out of here. <laughs> so yeah. Um, and then um, in terms of their, um, the sort of choices they have in iReady. So it generates a learning path based on their domain specific needs. Um, and they don't get a lot of choice. Like they just get, it, it just assigns them, strategically assigns them lessons to fill in those gaps. Um, and so in terms of, of student choice, I mean, pretty much the choice they have is they can work on their math or they can work on their reading that day. Um, so I ready, I mean, just because it is, it is just simply designed to help fill in those learning gaps in a very strategic way. Um, and the data, you know, backs up the method to their madness. So um, yeah, there's not a lot of student choice. On, on a more broad level, um, I love, love, love the idea of student choice. When I was in the classroom, when I was coaching, um, anytime you can give a kid ownership, anytime you can give them, you know, the opportunity to make some decisions and connect it to their learning. So they need to know that this choice is, is connected to, okay, this is an opportunity for you to learn. How do you want to learn best? Um, I think that's you know, one of the most powerful ways to go about um, connecting with kids and and getting them to grow and to learn. So, yeah. very cool. Yeah. Any other questions, Chris? Um, nothing I can think of off the top of my head, Jeff. Cool. I think I'm good too. I think that was fantastic. Okay. So yeah, that's good. All right. Thank, right. thank you, Julie, for yeah, I'll put a yeah, shout out yeah. Curriculum Associates. So we are hiring. So <laughs> there you go. Especially people with math backgrounds um, and people with moms who rub it in that their math background is still getting them employed. <laughs> yeah, at yeah. my age. Yeah. And so, if uh, if people wanted to reach out to you, if they had more questions, they want to reach out to you. What's a good way to contact you? Are you social media or email or? Um, so I'm on Twitter. I'm. Okay. Um, McDowell143 on Twitter is my Twitter handle. Um, so I'd like to say it's a professional Twitter account, um, but it's not always. <laughs> so, <laughs> it doesn't always represent. Um, so it does not represent the views of my company at all. <laughs> um, they're, they're my views. Um, so, um, or um, they can contact me um, email. So Julie McDowell. 96 at gmail.com. That's a great way to get a hold of me. So, all right. Cool. All yeah. right. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. I uh, really appreciate you taking some time to talk to us. Uh, and I really like this, this transition. As Chris said, you know, we have a lot of tech coaches and a lot of TOSAs and, and people in those coaching roles that listen to this podcast. I think it's kind of, I think it's good for them to hear that there, there is other things out there. You know, if you, yeah, if you want, are. if you want to make that jump, uh, that coaching really does set you up to do some consulting work with companies. It sets so. you up to do a lot of cool things. Yeah, so great. it's yeah. scary to make the jump, but if you're ready, go for it. So. Awesome. Yep. Thanks, right. Julie. All right. Thanks, Thanks Julie. Guys. It was nice to meet you in person, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Okay.
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit sospodcast.org, facebook.com slash Jeff Udick, and on Twitter at judick. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.